Hello, and welcome to the Marvin and Janesta Show. I'm Marvin. I'm Janesta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marvin and Janesta Show. Now, unfortunately, my lovely wife, Janesta, will not be with us, but she will be back for the next episode. Now, the title, The People Before Adam and Eve. It seems when you read the last part of Genesis chapter one, and then go into the first part of Genesis chapter two, that it repeats itself, and many scholars and ministers give a convoluted reason as to why, which still leaves the person asking the question even more confused. But I believe I can give a far better and reasonable answer to this age-old question. So hear me out and listen. Now I must go back into the beginning to state the case of a a renewed mind to show the significance of why. So let's go to Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 26. That's Genesis chapter one, starting with verse 26. And it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And verse 29, it says, And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food, also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And in verse 31, it says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, now we go to Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth, and this is chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth 
when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. Verse 6. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So there you have it on that end. Now, I purposely read this scripture as an added note of consumption. And it's something I realized a few years ago. There's been an age-old question pertaining to why the Bible repeat, repeat itself, referring to the creation of man. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But in chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The primary answers most pastors or scholars or even laypersons give is that one verse gives more detail than the other. I'm thinking, okay. But when we go further into scripture, after Cain killed Abel in Genesis chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So here's the other question that people have, and that is where Cain, that, and which is, where did Cain find his wife? Well, some people say that he had to have had sex with his mother. Now, knowing God wouldn't, not Knowing God, wouldn't that be a sin? And yes, because of Cain's sin, he was banished from the Garden of Eden. But I don't agree with that assumption that incest was involved to populate the earth. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Okay. It says, God created man in his image. Image excuse me, God created man in his image, <clears throat> excuse me, in the image of God, he created him male and female. Now, look at that. It says male and female, and keep in mind, um, male and female, okay? Now, let's go back to uh, chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper comparable to him out of the ground. The Lord God formed every beast of the field 
and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought to her, and he, excuse me, he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Are you seeing the difference in chapter 1, verse 27? He says he made male and female, or rather he said he created male and female. But in chapter 2, verse 21, he made a woman, and he made her specifically from Adam, the same Adam, as you recall, of whom he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Take notice, because he didn't do that in chapter 1, verse 27. It says, they, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created them. So now you ask, okay, so you point out the difference with a good thought behind it, but why? To answer that question, and it's my speculation, and it seems like the pieces of the puzzle fits together because of Satan. This is my speculation. Again, this is my speculation. Remember, Satan had his fall from grace, where he wanted to be the head honcho, the big dog, the man. So when God banished him, he banished him to earth. This was before God spruced up the earth for Adam and Eve. And notice, the earth was formless and void. Does that, not, does that sound like anything the Almighty would initially have in mind for his prized creation? And it goes to say that there was, excuse me, there was darkness. So wouldn't God start out with beauty? with creativity, again, that's my speculation, but instead the earth was dark. It was a wasteland. Now, doesn't that sound more like Satan? Hmm. Because in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 15 through 18, it says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian Sherb, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of, of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, 
you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. Now that Satan's banishment has been established, okay, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Okay? And check this out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the permanent and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. And I'll stop there. Now I think you get the point. At least I hope you do. Once again, just in case you don't see what I'm saying, is that Satan's banishment was earth. Okay? His banishment was earth. And if you read into it, earth was dark. There was nothing to it, nothing at all. And getting and having to know God's character, he wanted to have a creation that loved him and worshipped him unconditionally. So here enters man in verse 27. But before he brings man on, on board, what does one do? when a new addition to the family comes? Or, you know, what does one do? You clean up. Whether it be a child, um, another relative, you clean up. You buy new furniture for them, you stock the refrigerator with food, you do the whole nine yards. And in this case, God did the whole earth. Okay? You have to look at it in these terms. So going back to verse 27, after God created male and female, I believe, he made more than one. Hence the explanation of Cain obtaining a wife. Oh, and I almost forget, Cain's request to God in Genesis chapter 4, verse 13. Okay? You remember that? You, you remember his request? Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond. A vagabond is a person who wanders from place to place without a home or a job. So he said, I'll be a, I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. So 
Now check out God's response to this. God responded by saying in verse 15, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now, if you're reading the Bible without pausing to stop and think along the way, then what you'll get is a lot of questions that you ask with the answers right in your face. So, if reading from face value like most people do, it would be just it would be just Adam and Eve and their two sons, and and um, with the death of Abel, the number dwindles to three, right? But here we see God is in agreement with Cain that other people are present. Do you get this? God is in agreement with Cain that other people are present. Pick up on this. These are other people. These other people are those who God originally created. And though it's not explained, but I'm figuring, I'm figuring now, when God said be fruitful and multiply, aside from those that he created initially, it says fill fill the world and subdue it, which means overcome, to bring under control, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, did you catch that? He said every living thing that moves on the earth, which includes Satan, because at that point, Satan is powerless. And since we're talking about Satan and it's not documented, but somewhere along the way, he coerced the people, I believe, he coerced the people of present day to commit sin, and those original people became corrupt. Therefore, God did a reboot. And notice the second time he breathed into his creation called man. Though like the original came from dust, but unlike the original, God poured himself into this new man. And unlike the original woman, the second one was extracted from the man who was breathed to life by the creator, thus becoming triune, a connection God did not, did not have with the original. And here's one last thought on this, is that the Garden of Eden had no protection around it to keep out those other people because of the connection God had with Adam and Eve. His presence was palpable. Just like in verse 8, chapter 3, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Think about that. They heard the Lord walking. So if you're that connected to God, it's as if a force field is surrounding you. I find it comparable to living in a gang-infested neighborhood where you live in the middle of it and you freely walk about with no fear, with your house door wide open, with your money sitting out and no one dare come near you, but your family or your house are fine. This was the Garden of Eden.
And Satan, because he coerced the original people, I believe, was allowed to enter into, into it to test Adam and Eve. And because they had not sinned, they were able to communicate with the animals. And because of the presence of the Lord, these animals were not trying to eat each other or, excuse me, and lived in harmony. So it was no surprise for them to speak to the animals, which is why Satan appeared as a serpent. Once again, Satan was able to sway the course of man in relation to God. But this time, God had a contingency plan in place in the form and name of Jesus. No sin.